The Pace Line is produced by The Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. From the Cycling Independent, this is The Pace Line, the podcast on two wheels. I'm Patrick Brady, and with me is my co-host, John Lewis. Each week, we take a look at how cycling fits in our lives. Dude, it's kind of mid-October-ish now. Um, You guys, has fall well and truly arrived there? It's here for sure. Um, The short answer is no. I, uh, I, some listeners, certainly of revolting, may know that I have a cattle trough in my backyard, which I have dolled up to be something like a plunge pool. <laughs> and I am continuing to use it every day. Really? Yes, it's not heated. I should, well, I should say that yeah, also. Yeah. I mean, I would have guessed that most people would conclude that, you know, what with the cattle trough and all. Well, uh, I mean, I did plumb it, so it has a pump and filter. Okay, but it yeah. doesn't have a heater. No heater. Yeah. And so no how, how cold is that water? I don't know. My guess would be like 60. Um, and that and that tells you something about, you know, what the temperature is here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't like the swimming pool in our complex when it's below 90. <laughs> You're very soft. Are, are you new here? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm saying that from 3000 miles away, because I know if we went on a ride, you would drop me like. Well, I, I don't I don't think that's currently true. It's possible that it was true in the past, but I I'm not going to make any assertions about my go fastness currently. Yeah. You know, I thrive in the cold. And one of the things that I like is to like I went out mountain biking this morning and I came back and I took my clothing off and I got in the plunge for a while. And I love that cold reset. I mean, it is part of your whole robot shtick. I still just can't fathom, you know, I mean, stay in there long enough. That's hypothermia. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I don't. Well, I, I find that hard to believe in. in I, I don't stay in forever, but I. And this is part of my um, sympathy with the cold is I get in there and uh, I don't feel cold. I feel that it is cold, but I don't feel cold. Does that mm. make sense? I, I can feel it on my skin. Oh, yeah, that's the sensation of cold. But it doesn't doesn't like go past the skin. I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, that's mm-hmm. cold out there. And I'm totally awesome. Just sitting here like today, I, I sat in there 
and the sun had just kind of come up over the roof line and like I closed my eyes and the insides of my eyelids were that light orange color like <laughs> yep. when the sun is full in your face and I was like this is just a really blissful moment that sounds pretty special I mean I'm familiar with that sensation that you describe from plenty of experiences on the bike uh you know, those, those cold, wet days <clears throat> yeah, where yeah. your skin is utterly numb, but you know, the muscles are still working just fine beneath right. that. Right. Uh, for whatever reason, when I get in cold water, it goes straight through me as if I was ventilated. Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea that you might be ventilated. <laughs> uh, I know a couple people who would help gladly with that process. They, you know, <laughs> right. they would sign up for <laughs> to uh, ventilate you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they'd want first dibs. <laughs> yeah. So the leaves, the leaves are beginning to change and fall from the trees. Uh, but it's really, really nice out. Mm. Yeah. Well, we're still getting highs in the seventies here. Um, the lows are down into the mid to low forties at night. I tell you, Northern California, October, if we're not on fire, this is the stuff. This, this is as good as anything gets. Yeah. I mean, we're we're not far off. It's 77 here today for the high, mm. which is crazy. And the low won't go below 50. <laughs> so, so I've got cooler weather here in Northern California than you have. You do. In fact, I'm going on an annual uh, trip that I do to Block Island, which is a small island about an hour off the coast of Rhode Island. Yep. And the forecast there is for the temperature not to leave the 60s on the high or low side while I'm there. Which is bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, especially... Night and day. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised by that there. I've been there twice, I believe. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if that were the forecast for, you know, Labor Day weekend. Yeah, not anymore. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Somebody told me this morning that the um, peak leaf day of the year is moving back by one day per decade. And I thought... I bet it's fat. I can't believe it's only that slow because the way the fall seems now. I mean, having said that, having said that, it snowed last October. Mm hmm. No yeah. norm. Abnormal is the new normal, I suppose. Let's go yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all righty. Well, what are you pulling us on today? Well, it's along this same line. It's it's what I call dark Tober here. Uh, which is the magical month when we start waking up in the dark. Oh, uh, uh -huh. Most of us, you know, the go-getters among us, <laughs> or those with kids <laughs> or whatever. Mm. And now we're starting to mount lights for evening rides. And mm -hmm. you start just maybe starting to catch wood smoke on the breeze. Uh, you lived in New England, so you know how magic yeah. that first time of the year where you smell wood smoke is. It, it is a good thing. It is special. And the humidity, thank the, 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 the heavens, uh, has left us. So the air is crisping up. Um, there are leaves if you're into leaves. Definitely if you go a little north of us and you want to look at leaves, you can do that. There's, there's a lot going on. 
Um, and this turns out to be a crucial time for my riding life because October's patterns are December's routine. So yeah. if I want to have a good riding winter. I need to make a lot of little adjustments right now. Huh. Okay. So the first thing is lighting. It's time to break out all the lights, get them charged up. And even more than that, set them up to be charged over and over. Right? Like set up the charging station. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The mental shift that goes along with that is to embrace riding in the dark. Right. Yeah. So we're going to slip deeper into the year. And anytime we forfeit time to darkness now is going to come back to haunt us later because there's going to be even more darkness. I yeah, I I am in touch. Mm -hmm. Yep. I have this distinct memory of realizing and this happens most winters that I'm living an eight hour day rather than the 16 hour day I thrive on all summer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, it's like 4.30 and it's getting dark and I'm tired and I'm just like winding down to bed, which mm-hmm. is ridiculous. Obviously, there's some give and take. Winter's not summer. You can't burn the candle, no pun uh, intended, year round. I'm, I'm, that's a lie. Anytime someone says no pun intended, <laughs> the pun was entirely intended. Uh, but so a big part of my experience of seasonal affective disorder is that whole forfeiting of time to darkness, mm-hmm. like giving up on activities after dark and then later uh, to the cold. Um, the cold obviously is less of an issue for me, as we've discussed, but um, at least in the sense of feeling cold, which I seldom do. But it's important as you get your lights ready to also kind of mobilize the winter riding kit and prepare yourself mentally for the added laundry and upkeep. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, one of the things I find really demoralizing about the seasonal change is the heavy churn of laundry and all the accessories that go along with it, like you know, winter <laughs> riding hats and warmers yep. and all the tights. Um, when it comes to it. And I mean, I wear these things less than other people, but I, by like the middle of January, I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> <laughs> I can't launder and maintain this. Or even just like you're standing in the basement, like with your bike by the door and you, it still takes you like five minutes to put your costume on. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's super important I acknowledge and adjust all this stuff in Darktober because it's really hard to pivot later when it really is dark and cold. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'll add that the, the, um, the older and more mature me uh, really enjoys waking up in the dark because it means I get to see the sunrise. Mm. Okay. Uh, I mean, I get some in the summer because I do tend to wake up very early and go out to do stupid things. But at least here on the East Coast, also, I feel like it's really special. Like by the I live behind a park and from the park, you can see the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, so you watch the sun breaking, kind of like breaking onto the continent for the first moment of the day. And maybe you get a little shimmer on the water, even from I don't know, I'm probably eight miles from the water, nine miles from the water, but it's still pretty, we're up high and it's really, really pretty special. It keeps, it kind of like, 
you're up and you're out and you're moving and it's dark and you're tired and it's whatever. But then the sun, you get to see the sun come up and it really lifts your spirit. Mm, that's that. I mean, that sounds compelling. That sounds like a good reason to be up early. Um, those payoffs aren't quite so easy for me here. I was going to say all the Redwood Forest. Does any of this jive with your California vibe? Well, the first thing I'll say is that, you know, hearing you talk about this stuff reminds me of my time in New England and how in the winter, whether I was going out for a mountain bike ride or uh, a little kind of neighborhood backcountry ski, I had to start factoring in the 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 costume change yeah uh into the overall time because you know when you're when you just pull on a pair of bibs and a jersey and you know throw some shoes on you're out the door in five minutes you know it it doesn't take long but when you have uh long johns and then tights and then some you know, insulated layer and then a jacket and then maybe gaiters on so that the snow's not getting down into your boots and yada, and yada, and yada. So many gloves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, and then there's the fact that like, you know, there are those days where it's 30 degrees. So you need gloves, but maybe you don't need your warmest gloves. Yeah. But it's also a little windy, so maybe you do want a more serious glove. And I'll, I can remember occasions where I'm staring at two pairs of gloves going, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. What I do an awful lot, actually, now that you say that, is I wear two pairs of thin gloves so that mm-hmm. I can take one off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But but here again, this is the problem of running warm. Like everyone is like, oh, you're never cold in the winter. I'm like, well, I have to put something on for sure. I'm not I'm not completely immune to cold. So I put stuff on, but then I heat very quickly and then I have all this stuff. I have like luggage. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> and like my luggage is sweaty. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh So yeah, I I I feel you, dog. Um <laughs> Um I'm just realizing that we both have t-shirts on with the word pink. Oh. Look at that. Mine says Yours is, Mine says Pink Avalanche, which yeah. is a band from Chicago, my friend Che. Check out Pink Avalanche. And, what do you uh, got? Uh, well, I've got a pink that m- most folks have actually heard of, Pink Floyd. Oh, though. <laughs> oh, him. <laughs> right, which one's pink? Um Yeah, yeah so uh, I'm at that point here where, yeah, I'm starting to pull out the knee warmers and the arm warmers again. Uh, and you know, the, the worst thing I have to deal with currently is just how hot and sweaty I have to be before I commit to taking time to take that stuff off. Uh, yeah. And For me, I, I try to get in front of it. Like the first little tingle of sweat, I feel I try to get down because otherwise I'm going to ruin everything. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, I am m- maybe not as uh, quick to act. Um, and that that may have more to do with laziness than, you know, some uh, increased desire to be warmer than you are. 
Um, but I'll plead both. I, I really hate being cold. Um, and I also really hate the whole process of trying to pull stuff off. I mean, I think both things can be true. You can be both soft and lazy. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think I'm proof of that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was just there. So, well, I mean, the lobs, if you don't return a lob, you yeah, really yeah. haven't done your job, right? I mean, I live in Boston. Um, casual cruelty is is a sport here. Endemic? And yes, yeah, it's, it's part of the deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, I love you enough uh, that you know that I love you and that uh, my cruelty is actually some sort of twisted up way of saying Hey man, you're pretty it, great. It, it is, it is, um, it is a pretty special form of, uh, affection. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's dude affection. Yeah. I Although was at, neither one of us are all that duty. I was out at the, I was running that ultra marathon uh, a couple weeks ago and I met some guys from Dothan, Alabama and we got to talking and they were super friendly and they were doing these sort of like half baked Boston accents and I, and I, I said, no, it goes like this. Oh, bro, I saw your mother at the bar the other night. It's not a good look, kid. <laughs> and then my friend Caitlin, who I was running with, was like, uh, you should know that he's not really insulting your, your mother, that that's OK where we live. <laughs> 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 we aren't actually serious. Yeah, yeah. Both of those guys have uh, since tracked me down on Facebook and become my friend. So uh, they, they they took it the way it was meant. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. that is a special thing. Yeah, yeah. You can't get away with that in the South normally. Yeah. No, you shouldn't talk about a, another person's mother in the South. That's not yeah. okay. Yeah, unless you're going to compliment her apple pie. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Alrighty, we're going to take a break and we will be back in just a minute. The Pace Line is brought to you by The Cycling Independent. We are the only online cycling publication that's entirely reader supported with absolutely no advertiser, sponsor, or investor commitments influencing our editorial. We don't have a sales team or middle management. It's just the three founders and a collection of talented and committed contributors who independently produce our content. To maintain our commitment to honest, reader-focused editorial with the best writers in the business, we need your help. Every dollar that comes in goes directly toward creating the content you see. A subscription is cheap, easy, and it goes a heck of a long way. Just go to cyclingindependent.com, click on Support TCI, and choose your level. Thanks for listening. Okay, we're back with the pace line, the podcast on two wheels. What's your poll this week, Patrick? Well, my poll this week concerns debris and other hazards that may fall onto a trail or dirt road. Uh, my inclination is to say fire road, but fire roads don't really exist back east, so I have to go with dirt road. <laughs> so I'm not really sure why, but in the last few months in Annadale, the big state park right near me, there have been any number of trees that have fallen and blocked sections of trail. Some of those trails are legal. Some of the other trails, I'll say, uh, less so. 
we know that on the unsanctioned trails, the rangers are never going to clear those deadfalls. So it's up to those of us who ride them to either clear a path around the obstacle or to cut up the tree or branch or whatever it is. Uh, they, I will say on the legal trails, they may take their sweet time uh, getting to that. And so I've even taken action on some of the legal stuff on, on occasion. But the trails that I ride in western Sonoma County, uh, it's a similar sort of deal to the unsanctioned trails in Annadale. When something falls, the riders have to deal with it because there are no rangers to clean everything up. Sometimes, like if a big diseased tan oak falls, and basically if if you see a tan oak in western Sonoma County, it's probably diseased. Mm. Uh, so it's just a matter of time before it falls. So... On those occasions, we will have to organize uh, a trail day and get a crew out there with loppers and chainsaws. Um, it, it's a bit of a production. Some of those trees are pretty big. Not redwood big, but, you know, more than me big. Um, because of some of the Facebook groups I'm a part of, I'll hear about some of these deadfalls and other assorted obstacles. <laughs> And it's really not uncommon to see people ask, has anyone done anything about this yet? <laughs> you know, like 10 minutes before somebody's rolling out for a ride, they're asking. Um, and, uh, you know, I mean, in a way, I don't really blame them. But, you know, I, I've never encountered anything that was so bad that I thought, well, I, I'm just not going to go out there and ride that. Right. Um, a few years ago, I decided that because I'm not in contention for any podium of any sort, I'd stop to deal with anything I encounter unless it's just too big for my tools. Um, that was kind of a funny decision on my part, and it led to something that I didn't really anticipate. So I began with one folding saw with a five inch blade from the Japanese maker Silky. Um, in their website, they call it a 170 millimeter saw. Um, then I like, I like the saw maker named Silky. Go on. Yeah. Yeah. That's, um, a, a pretty, pretty genius move on their part. Uh, I added another folding saw. This one had a 14 and a half inch blade. Then some garden shears for those branches that might get you in the face. Um, and then more recently, because there have been a couple of times where a tree was just too big for my 14 and a half inch saw to get through, I purchased what is essentially a chainsaw chain with two loops of webbing for handles. I'll admit I haven't used this one yet, but that's only for lack of opportunity. I, it's, <laughs> you want it, to. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, I am a guy. I might not be a standard issue guy, but I am a guy. And you give me a tool and I'm going to want to use it. <laughs> right. You know? Uh, so, yeah, I carry so much that I think this constitutes kind of garden variety overkill. And it's not something I advocate but what I will say is that anytime I clear a tree from a trail, it feels really good. It, it, there's just a crazy kind of satisfaction that comes with it. And let me add that I know next to no one will ever know what I did. So I'm not doing this for brownie points, you know, yeah, yeah. I, you know, whatever, uh, people know I care stuff, I carry stuff and people know I clean stuff out when I encounter it, but you know, this isn't 
some popularity contest or right, anything. Right. Here's, here's the part that I really didn't see coming, and it took a little while to kind of sink in. Clearing an obstacle from a trail gives me something I really didn't expect, and it falls in line with the same level of satisfaction I get from doing trail work, which is that I feel more connected to the land I'm riding on. Right. I've seen hikers, I've, I've experienced hikers criticize mountain bikers for going so fast that we can't connect to the landscape. Uh, well, I can attest that doing trail work or any sort uh, of, you know, cleanup work, whatever, will leave you feeling more connected to the land than any hike ever could. Because <laughs> you want to talk about slowing down, right. you know, you're standing in one place for a little while. Uh, the, the thing that, you know, took a little while to unfold was in repeatedly passing those places. I feel this sense of belonging, uh, almost like an ownership. Um, and it satisfies something deep within me that I didn't know had any capacity for satisfaction. Hmm. And it's, uh, it's just a really lovely thing. And for whatever reason, fall seems to be a time when a lot of stuff falls down. Yeah. Um, yeah. More storms. so, well, I mean, we've had more wind events here yeah. lately. Uh, we just had an advisory Monday of this week. Um, I think we got off pretty easy. Um, there's still some humidity in the air. Fire season isn't actually over yet, but, we seem like we're going to get off pretty, pretty well this year, uh, yeah. where I am. I mean, other parts of California, sorry guys, but right here, I, I think we've, uh, You're dodged a bullet okay. this year. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'm curious, you know, New England, my experience is that the trails, you know, they've been around for a much longer period of time. And I don't recall the same need for trail work on the stuff that I rode. Do you get out and do trail work or, you know, is there, um, are there calls for trail days among friends of yours? Um, I have friends who do trail work. Uh, I don't do, I have not done like specific trail days myself. Like I definitely take responsibility if a tree can be moved uh, I get off and I, I move the tree. I have very, I have some pretty strong feelings about this in the sense of uh, I really hate when a tree goes down and so people decide the trail is going to migrate, you know, 15 feet into the, you know, <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. like <sighs> I sort of feel like there's a tree down, deal with it. So, you know, climb over it, ride, you know, if you can't move it and you're not going to cut it, deal with it. Um, and I, I feel pretty good about that. There was this one trail in my local system that was down for a long time. And what somebody and, and it was high, right? Like you were not going to very few people, you know, would be able to ride over this down okay. tree. Like there uh-huh. was a gap under it. But at some point, someone came and cut a notch in it, mm-hmm. and 
it was still it was still a real challenge to ride, but it stayed just like that, notched for like two seasons. And I used to really love it because, uh, you know, if you have to stop and get off your bike, so what? Like, you're not like we're just out riding bikes. Sometimes you got to get off. That's OK. Like there's mm-hmm. there's nothing that says all these trails should be rideable 100 uh, percent in every direction. So get off and carry your bike over. And I, I, I have certainly lifted my bike over that tree before. And then I learned to like plant because the, the notch was slightly off camber. You had to kind of come into it and plant your front wheel in the notch and hope that it caught in the bottom <laughs> before you, before you unweighted your rear end. And it wasn't that hard to move, but the timing was definitely important. Mm. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. subsequently, the the um, park folks have come by and, and cleared it. And I actually feel sad that that's not there anymore. Generally, when a tree goes down here, the smaller trees will stay down for quite a stretch. And I like that. That's like a that's like um, shuffling the deck of cards that you play with. Um, so I'm not looking to clear those. If the tree falls in a way that the branches basically make the trail unpassable, I will definitely do some work on that. Um, but I, I'm, I'm pretty adamant about not widening or rerouting a trail because of a, what I'll call an ephemeral obstacle. Uh, Mm -hmm. and I get irritated that people will do that. Sometimes you find a a tree that's down in an awkward kind of way, but someone will pull some rocks over to make it navigable in some kind of A-line kind of way. I like that. Yep. Yep. Um, But I was talking about it with a friend of mine just this morning because a lot of, a lot of the trails near us are getting worked on now. You know, they were very organic before and now they're getting crafted a bit. And, uh, I, I kind of don't care for it. <laughs> I feel like if you want crafted trails, go to a mountain bike park, have fun. It is. It's super fun. But in the rest of the world, just just play it like it lies, you know, just just deal with it. That's the that's the beauty. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. I uh, this is I, not I a mean, popular we're... view. The one I just expressed. <laughs> I understand that. Uh, you're not alone, though. You are certainly not alone. Um, the, the spot that I ride out in West County, uh, beginning Monday, uh, there's a forestry crew out there logging it and they are pulling out. It's funny. The, the permit that was filed with the state claimed that it was going to be a thinning effort, um, for purposes of fire mitigation, yada, yada. Looks an awful lot like a clear cut though, doesn't it? Well, it, no, it won't be a clear cut, but there's blue paint yeah. on only big trees. Yeah. When you're thinning, you're pulling out the little stuff that's never really going to mature all that well. Yeah. And so this is the, uh, let's go with opposite. It's this a is, bait and switch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they are pulling money out of there. The, all they're looking for is profit. Um, and I mean, it's their land. They can do what they want with it. Uh, I, you know, I don't have a problem with that. Um, I kind of like honesty, generally speaking. Um, 
But what's really interesting is uh, we are going to be having to repair a whole lot of trails on this one ridge uh, come mid-November when we can get back in there. The permit is for one month, so there's going to be 30 days of pulling trees out of there and grinding brush down into the ground. So when we go back to to start fixing those trails or building new trails, um, it's it's going to be uh, a in some places a weird effort in that you can't just get down to mineral dirt with a rogue hoe. So uh, we're going to need more than rogue hoes and clouds and whatnot. Uh, there there are jokes that we may actually start building some berms. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like, well, if we got to do that much work, maybe, right. maybe we'll do a little sculpting along the way. Sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, no, I get that. I'm, I'm stuck on the cutting of old growth. I know it's their land and, and blah, 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 but those old growth trees uh, store a lot of carbon. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, and I, you know, I should, I guess, hasten to add, these aren't really old growth. Uh, Sonoma County, I don't think there are any old growth trees left. Um, you know, there's <laughs> the horses there's out no, of the barn. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw a redwood that was six feet in diameter. Right. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that's two and three and three and a half feet in diameter. Yeah. And we're going to lose a bunch of those. Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah, it's a bummer again. Their land, their trees, you know, uh, their profits. Uh, So it goes. Um, But uh, I don't know. Maybe there are some Saturdays in my life coming up where I might not even pull on any lycra. And I just wind up out there. um, Working on your shovel blisters. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I might have to buy some gardening gloves. Oh, yeah. Hmm. There's something. Huh. Yeah, those make good over gloves in winter too. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, let's move on to paceline picks. What do you have for us this week? This week I'm picking gardening gloves. As, no, I'm not really doing that. Um, <laughs> so uh, my pick this week. I was out mountain biking with my friend Bruce this morning. Um, he has an actual work schedule, so we went someplace close by, uh, someplace we've both been an awful lot. He rides a full suspension cross-country bike, and I have this Featherlight hardtail by my friends at 7. And um, this particular morning, we talked a, a lot about like what each bike was good at. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of technical stuff that he handles more cleanly than I do because he has that little bit of rear-end travel. And I have an easier time muscling through real rocky stuff because it's easier for me to get my rear end moving, you know, (laughs) when I come close to a stop. Uh, You can make of that what you will. As I mentioned, we go this place a lot. He goes, but he goes a lot more than I do because his son has mountain bike practice there. Oh. His son actually refuses to go or was refusing to go to this particular spot for fun anymore. He's like, yeah, I've seen it, done it, don't care. Oh, uh-huh. Um, but, and this is the point of my pick this week, uh, recently Bruce reworked his 90s Indie Fab 26-inch bike uh, oh. as a slightly more modern cross-country machine. So it's got disc brakes. He swapped out the fork to clear a bigger tire. It's got wider bars, shorter stem. 
His son is a little shorter than he is. So uh, now it's this kind of sweet hybrid mountain bike that's not quite new and not quite old. Uh, and as it turns out, that makes it really fun on local trails that you think you know too well. Because uh, yeah, it changes okay. much of the calculus. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's helping the kid develop skills that he wouldn't have to develop on his own bike. Oh. Which oh. actually enhances uh, his own riding and racing. His, his son is really into racing. So um, this week, I'm picking your 90s mountain bike <laughs> as a fun <laughs> way to breathe new life into old trails. Uh interesting okay so what we know is that 29 inches of rubber will roll through a whole lot of stuff uh, thank god yes what it won't full suspension smooths out even more it can get to where Mm -hmm. you're bored and lacking challenge especially in an area like ours where the trails are organic and not you know optimized for a full full huck uh (laughs) (laughs) you know what i mean not everything here is a uh a sculpted jump line not (laughs) not that that's how it is where you are but So what I'm saying this week is pull your old bike out, tune it up, throw on whatever modern stuff you can jam on it and put it to use. Uh, Not every trail ride has to be a full speed rip. Uh, Your old bike has a lot of joy left in it, especially when you put a new pair of shoes on it and maybe reconfigure the cockpit to be a little closer to what you're used to on whatever you ride now. Hmm. It's just a, a shuffling of the deck, as I said before, uh, and a good one. Oh, okay, now I have to ask uh, yeah. a question. I mean, he put disc brakes on a '90s Indy Fab. It that had, thing it was, was built set up with disc brakes. Oh, it was. Yeah. Oh, I don't know okay. what um, prescience he was visited by when he made that purchase, but uh, it had disc tabs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that that is substantially ahead of the curve yeah yeah Hmm. okay but it's still not more than 135 you know it's still got uh some challenges but here again i'll say that um there are parts and wheels out there for these bikes because most folks are like this bike is useless now (laughs) um (laughs) which is false Uh, Yeah. And many of them are made of a gauge of steel that though it will corrode eventually, it's got some it's got some road in front of it still. Yeah, it's it really takes a lot to kill a frame. I've seen frames killed uh, and it's I can attest it's not easy. No, it's not. And so, you know, I think. I, anyway, feel very nostalgic for the mix and match and upgrade and Frankenstein uh, process of keeping your bikes going and going in a useful and fun way. Yeah, there was there was something awfully fun about, you know, self-specking your mountain bike. Um, Yeah. Oh, I'm going to get these brakes, but I'm going to use these levers and I'm going to. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was fun. And also picking which color anodization was going to be your accent du jour right right yeah yeah picking which color hot pink um (laughs) you know the other the 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 quality of this pick also it's got something to do with you know like my local trails i know them super well and if i ride them on a on a 
modern mountain bike. They're not very challenging. But if I ride them on my gravel bike uh, in the dark with lights on, oh, that's a whole new rodeo. Um, yeah. So this is what I'm saying is like if you reanimate that old bike, um, you will remember something about uh, mountain biking. If you ever mountain biked in the 90s, you remember that that was fun too, fun in a different way and also very challenging. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's that is absolutely true. I mean, I kid about I'm not sure why I liked mountain biking in the 1980s, right. but I know why I liked it. It was fun. Yeah, there just was it, there wasn't any other way for me to have more fun out on the trails. Now I have a tool that allows me to have more fun out on those trails. Yeah, I think that's true. And we can ride. There's a feedback loop, right? Uh, Bruce mm-hmm. was saying this this morning. There's a feedback loop where the bikes get better and then people build trails to maximize the new bikes mm-hmm. and then suddenly you can't ride them with certain lines on your old bike because you just don't have the equipment the retro grouch thing i will say is that at some point your bike just solves too many of the problems <laughs> do you know what i mean like i want uh-huh. challenges i want problems i want you know this is the thing about mountain biking is that you're navigating terrain that you should not be able to navigate um, <laughs> in a good way. Mm-hmm. And if you can, well, then you're very cool. And I love to feel cool in that way. It, it, it's a good time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So my pick, perhaps yes. unsurprisingly, uh, is a folding saw <laughs> from Silky. From Silky. Sweet. Yeah. Uh, the Pocket Boy Curve in the 130 toy boat millimeter length is, holy, holy cow, it's sharp. It's sharper than a Harvard-educated toddler, okay? <laughs> and both small enough and light enough to fit in any hydration pack without causing what we'll call an undue burden. Mm. Uh, it comes with a little plastic carrying case which helps keep it dry and protected when not in use i mean it's a folding saw so i don't know how much could really go wrong you take but i you take to puncture your hydration bladder yeah yeah uh i did develop a leak in my hydration bladder and i killed a, a little pair of garden shears uh because they got all rusty and i didn't realize the uh, the yeah. pack was was leaking ever so slightly on an ongoing basis um, but yeah, I've, uh, uh, I've really enjoyed, I guess the, the simple thing is I've really enjoyed this, uh, Silky claims that a curved blade cuts faster. And when I first read that, I was like, what, what, how, what kind of science are you, you know, what sort of arcane thing are you generating here? But then I really kind of thought about my experience out there. And I think it's true because I'm able to put more pressure out at the end of the blade due to that curve. Hmm. Um, the, the nature of the uh, leverage doesn't seem to fall off in the same sort of way. So the end of the blade is actually more usable than you might think. So I've used my pocket big boy. Um, this sounds like it's it some, yeah, yeah. uh, weird, weird. 
now that we've acknowledged that there's a there to go, yeah. we're not going to go there. You know, let's not. Let's leave it. Yeah. Uh, but it's big enough to get through a tree that was broader than the length of the blade. Uh, that It took some doing. <laughs> let's yeah. be clear. I yeah. was at it for a little while. Uh, but I did get through a tree that was uh, larger in diameter than the blade was long. The saw goes for forty one ninety nine. And uh, for thirty four ninety nine, I believe you can actually get replacement blades. Um, I've done a lot of trail work with this, and I still haven't dulled the blade. It's not quite as deathly sharp as it was at the outset, um, but I'm maybe a little grateful for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I truly. like it. I yeah. like it. I'll buy one of those. It's it's just a lovely little thing. I mean. I think that's kind of like a, a, an easy solution for 90% of everybody. I have gone off. Um, it's maybe not all that deep in end, but it's <laughs> certainly not the shallow end of the pool. Uh, I mean, yeah, uh, two different little garden shears, the, the chainsaw chain, two different saws. It's um, I'm, I'm kind of a one man wrecking crew at this point. Yeah. But it it's it's satisfying something in me. I like it. I feel like we're we're progressing toward a bank robbery. That's what it feels like to me. <laughs> I'm going to go back and revisit all the great Robert De Niro bank heist movies. Then, yeah, I feel like you're just collecting the sort of equipment we might need for you know Ocean's Nineteen or wherever they are. <laughs> oh, I'm not so sure. I'm down with bank robbery if I have to go to Las Vegas. No, 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 no. I mean, we're talking about saws. This is a Reno bank robbery at best. (laughs) (laughs) You know, my apologies to Reno. (laughs) Uh, Mike and Joni Taylor. uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Reno. Shout out to Mike and Joni. Yeah. um, They got snow recently. Not in Reno proper, but up in the Sierra above them. Just saw a photo. Oof. Went around its way. All right. Uh, anything fun for you this weekend? I'm off to Block Island. Uh, I'll be <laughs> you said that. My bike hither and yon. Uh, I'll be looking at birds because that's a thing I like to do. I had a great <laughs> horned owl in the tree in front of my house last night. Here, those Boston things are big Metro. and they can be quite intimidating. It was an enormous, beautiful bird uh, <laughs> hooting its brains out. Uh, and it did not love, I don't think, the flashlight I put in its face to try to take its photo. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, it's the first time in the decade I've lived here that we've had an owl in the yard. So that was fantastic. Anyway, so that's what I'm doing. I'm wandering around. in. I'm doing what I always do, wandering around in nature aimlessly um, while sweating and... Uh, you know, being weird. That's what I'm into. And that's what I'm doing. What about you? Uh, I, I'm really not sure because my, my standard, uh, uh, anchor, uh, for my weekends, the Sunday ride out in West County, that's not going to be a thing. And so in a certain sort of way, it throws my entire weekend into disarray, right? Because there were, there were certain concessions I would make on Saturday's ride, 
so that I didn't arrive to Sunday's ride completely shot uh, <laughs> because I'm no longer able to go hard for four hours, both Saturday and Sunday. Mm. Um, and so now I have to rethink the whole thing. And I literally don't know what I'm doing with myself this weekend, but I expect it'll be uh, more time in Annadale than usual. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know for the short term, I've got to figure out a new routine. I struggled with that. I was saying to uh, steve uh yesterday as we were recording uh, re- Revolting that uh, that's like a buffet problem. I walk up to the yeah. buffet. I can have anything I want and it's all there and I have no clue what to pick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, that's, um, that's a really, really good metaphor. Yes. Um, well, simile, you said like. <clears throat> I did. Yes. I did. <laughs> Oh, the word nerds are Nerd at it nerd. again. Yeah. Yep. Before we go, <clears throat> pardon me. Before we go, I want to let you know about a new podcast that John is producing along with Steve Knievel of All Hail the Black Market, as he just mentioned. It's called Revolting. And I will continue to insist <clears throat> that it is not literally revolting, um, but it is also not a traditional cycling podcast. Um it goes some <clears throat> surprising and wonderful places. Uh, so keep those questions coming. You all are sending great stuff. If you've got an idea, please drop by the Cycling Independent and put a suggestion in the comments. We hope you've enjoyed the show. And if you have, please leave us a good review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It makes us easier for other listeners to find. Until next week, I'm Patrick Brady with John Lewis. Thanks for listening to The Paceline.